welcome to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace. I'm Peter Larkham, and today we're talking with Jeff McDonald, and we're talking about 2021. With the world still in lockdown, what does the mental health of 2021 look like? And if you're not engaging with mental health training, the question is, why not? Now, with his 25 years at Unilever, which is a global corporation with a turnover of around £50 billion pounds a year, 170,000 employees in over 90 countries around the world, Jeff's experience has been truly global. And today we're talking about the importance of training and its positive impact on changing cultures. Uh, my name is Jeff MacDonald and I am a South African uh, living here in the UK. I've been here for 20 odd years, spent most of my career working for Unilever all over the world, culminating in the global head of HR all of our marketing, communications, and sustainability. I left Unilever sort of middle of 2014 to go out into the world and live a life fueled by a very strong sense of purpose. And that is to try and create workplaces everywhere in the world where people in those workplaces feel that they genuinely have the choice to just put their hand up and ask for some help if they are struggling with the common form of mental ill health. And so I've been on that journey and traveling that path over the last six years. And I suppose very much catalyzed, Peter, by the loss of a very good friend of mine to suicide who just couldn't have the conversation that might have led him on a path to recovery. And instead, because he couldn't have the conversation, he took his own life. And I just thought that that was not fair. That was not fair. And so I left Unilever to go into the world and try and create, in fact, not only workplaces, I suppose, you know, family groups, friendship groups, where people feel comfortable to ask for some help if they are struggling mentally or emotionally. So that's a little bit about me. And I'm looking forward to our conversation today. And why, why are we talking? Because uh, you asked me to, to come and chat and to talk with you. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Now, this is very true. I did ask you. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and I'm also aware you've got an incredibly uh, grueling schedule going on at the moment. Uh, so thank you so much for putting the time in uh, to, to join me on today's talk. There's something going on in the background of my world that I want to explore with you today, Jeff, which is about companies who haven't yet engaged with mental health training of some form in their company. Now, for me, I've been I've been doing this for now now for 10 years uh, and have been training companies. And I find it fascinating that there are still companies out there that haven't done any kind of mental health training within their uh, workplace. And I want to ask you, what do you think in the context of that? Is this something that companies should have as one of their top priorities? Or is it still just a nicety that some companies are getting and other companies just don't think they need? Yeah, Peter, I am. Well, I mean, quite simply, every single company everywhere in the world should provide what I call some basic awareness training in the area of mental health. 
And what do I mean by that training? What I mean by that training is teaching employees, every single employee, teaching them what is depression, what is anxiety, what is stress, what is distress, what are the symptoms to look out for? How do I, as a line manager, have a conversation with somebody that might be showing some distress? What is my role? How do I reintegrate somebody back into my team after they've been ill? And you know, Peter, the reason I want every single organization to take a responsibility to do that is because we have to break the stigma. Because the more we educate people, the more we raise the levels of understanding and awareness, the greater the degree of compassion that line managers, peers in an organization can show to individuals who might be struggling. And, you know, we spend billions, we spend billions on health and safety. Guess what? It all goes to safety training. And I always ask the question, why do companies want to keep people physically safe in a workplace, but not also want to keep them emotionally and mentally safe? It's not as if I leave my emotions and my cognitive ability, my mental health at the door when I walk in. I walk in as a whole person with physical health, with emotional health, with mental health, and a sense of purpose and meaning in my life. And so if we can train people on physical safety, why don't we train them on mental and emotional safety? Why don't we want to try and keep them safe like we do keep them physically safe. And the other reason for all of this is if we can create those kinds of environments where we are devoid of stigma, where we can have these conversations, do you know what that bit of training might just do? It might just save a life. It might just save a life. Now you tell me, any company out there, why would you not want to do some of that training if it could just save a life. And I think, that, I, I think that's so true, Jeff. I mean, for me, in the conversation of mental health training, I, I often kind of put the connection between uh, physical first aid at work and mental health first aid. So I'm a mental health first aid instructor, uh, an absolute advocate for the mental health first aid training courses that are out there. It's good stuff. But the comparison is that first aid at work is a, it's a requirement, isn't it? And we go on the two-day course to learn how to save someone's life, in essence. Um, yes, it's to put a plaster on or to put a bandage on, but most of the time it's to call 999 and resuscitate someone if we need to, to save someone's life. And in the conversation around mental health, and, and you were talking about your friend and that suicide process, is that the likelihood of me needing to resuscitate someone, the statistic on that is one in 10,000. One person in 10,000 people is the likelihood. And yet, as I walk down my local high street, probably before lockdown, to be fair, but if I walk down my local high street, the likelihood of passing someone with suicidal thoughts is estimated at one in 20, which means that we're much more likely to find ourselves in that situation than we are in a first aid crisis situation. And I find it fascinating in that context of why wouldn't you? Because there are companies that out there still, and this is a little bit of a challenge to those companies, that we're, we're wanting to kind of 
look you in the face and say, we need to be doing more, especially in the world that we're in at the moment with lockdown, isolation, loneliness, um, disconnection going on, uh, is to actually how do we enable people to, to stay connected and to boost their mental health? Because my next question for you is... If we're not careful, so this is kind of a, a little bit of a void. Ah, okay, just go with this question. If we're not careful, do we have in our minds that it's all right, we're all in the same situation, other people are doing okay, maybe I should be doing okay, and we almost sugarcoat the current situation that the entire world is in to such an extent that we are almost moving ourselves and and sorry for the visual imagery but moving ourselves closer and closer to a cliff edge without even realizing it and that cliff edge being serious mental health issues within our staff and within our families because we don't quite know how to look after each other and if we're not careful we may just find ourselves slipping off the edge and so my question is how do we how do we in our companies make this a higher priority than it already is or is it uh is it high enough in the priority for for our, us and our companies at the moment i have a point of view on all of this stuff and 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 you know part of my my point of view is driven by my viewpoint and i have two viewpoints the one viewpoint is somebody who has struggled with anxiety fueled depression right and the other viewpoint is from 25 years of working in a company like Unilever. Now, when you say companies, I'm going to generalize and say at the end of the day, most companies, all they're interested in is whether they're growing and are profitable, which I think is sad because I think that's the consequence of being a good company is you grow and you're profitable. It's not its purpose. The purpose of companies is beyond growth and profitability, but that's for another conversation. But if we are saying that most companies are all about growth and profit, the only way they grow and are profitable is if every one of their employees is performing to their full potential. Now, how do we get people to recognize this? I think we've got to show the direct link between not just mental health, Peter, but overall health. Let me call it well-being. Because when you, I use the word health, people just go to physical health. So let's talk about well-being. And what do I mean by well-being? What I mean by well-being is your physical well-being, your emotional well-being, your mental well-being, and your spiritual well-being. Now, when we are healthy, we bring to work the most important driver of our performance. Do you know what that is? Energy. Energy. Passion. When you are unhealthy, you've got no energy and you've got no passion. So if energy is the most important driver of individual team and organizational performance, and we get it from being physically, emotionally, and mentally healthy, why then is well-being not a strategic priority in a business because it's the most important enabler of performance, the most important. And COVID-19 has proved it for us, Peter. When people are unhealthy across the world, look what happens to levels of productivity, 
economies, we go into recessions. So the health of our people is the most important driver of performance. And so therefore, it should be a strategic priority. And in executing that strategic priority, companies as part of that execution should be offering training, resources that are going to help to enhance people's mental, emotional, and physical health. We'll get back to our interview in just a second. I want to tell you about a video course I made called Mentality. It's a one-hour mental health video course delivered by me. It gives you the need-to-know essentials to spot the signs of poor mental health and take action. So here's what other people have said about it. Maria said, I was surprised how it made me think about myself and even my friends and family. Patients' feedback said, mentality is eye-opening. It helps you support someone to get the help they need, perhaps potentially saving their life. James's response says, it was the best course I've been on. I had the attention span of a gnat and I was gripped for the whole time. You see, poor mental health is devastating so many people all over the world. And yet, despite a general recognition that there's a problem, very few people know what to do. We miss the signs of poor mental health, or if we see someone struggling, we don't know what to do. And that's where mentality steps in. It's the need to know essentials on how to spot the warning signs and take appropriate action to respond. All packaged together in a digestible one-hour video training course for your workforce. It's designed for everyone because every person, whoever you are, can be affected. To access Mentality, simply visit www.mentality.work. That's www.mentality.work. Click on Enroll, add your details, and enjoy. Mentality. Spot the signs and take action. And now here's the second half of our interview. What you're saying is that we, we've got to make it a priority. And actually that includes... No, no, a strategic priority. Okay, so it's a strategic priority that incorporates the training around the emotional, physical and mental health of our people. And yet I've seen firsthand companies that will spend or engage with, and I, I don't know, I don't quite know how to say this in a, in a non-pointy way, so just kind of bear with me on that. Because... There are lots of apps out there, great apps out there about well-being or about mindfulness and uh, those those type of things. But unless I understand that I'm struggling and what the benefit of a mindfulness app is going to have on me, there's still a question of well, why would I engage with it? I mean, I'm a mental health trainer, so I understand that there is a benefit of these things. But do I actively engage with them as regularly as I probably should? No, because I'm currently in an okay place. I'm only going to say okay place. I'm not even going to say a good place. Uh, I'm in an okay place, you know. But sometimes, do we do we miss the training side of things to say, actually, how do we change the, the, the culture? How do we talk about it more? How do we break down those stigmas so as we can actually begin to be more honest with each other and say, hey, you know what, Jeff, I'm, I'm really struggling today and I could do with some help. So as it doesn't feel weird to ask, but also so as you know where to signpost me, where to where to encourage me to go to. 
Um, because I think that's the other side of it, is that firstly, I don't know how to have the conversation with you about it if I'm struggling. But also, I don't know how to have the conversation with you if I can see that you're struggling. But even if I did have the conversation, I still wouldn't necessarily know what is available for you or me. And isn't that where the the training needs to sit? Absolutely, Peter. But that's why, and with all due respect, being a mental health first aid trainer, tick, kudos, fantastic, well done you. But it's not good enough to just have a few mental health first aid is on a floor in a company. I want every single person to be trained. Now, they might not all have to have mental health first aid training, but they need to have the basic training. You know, I was saying to you earlier, my mother taught me dental hygiene. Guess what? My teeth haven't fallen out. I wish somebody had taught me some mental hygiene. Because if I had been taught some mental hygiene, if I had been taught about the symptoms to look out for, that, sh- that might be suggesting you're going from stress to distress to getting ill. If I had been taught how to connect with my feelings and understand those feelings, if I had been taught that it's actually okay to feel crap one day and you feel a bit better the next day, but if you're feeling like that all the time for five or six weeks, there's something going on. I mean, if I had been taught some of this stuff and then I, there were those resources, those apps and things out there, then I would feel I could go out and I could employ and I could use those things. But for as long as we think we've addressed the stigma and we've addressed mental health in organizations by having a few mental health first aiders on a floor, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And we don't do it for safety. You know, when you join a company, when you are inducted into a company, when you go and visit a company, you get some safety training. And we should do the same for mental health. And so that people learn how to recognize their own symptoms, symptoms in others, how to have the conversation, why I would use that app and not feel embarrassed by using the app because it's just part of me maintaining the most important driver of my performance, my health. I want to just focus in on the dental hygiene and mental hygiene analogy, because can I just say, I have three small boys and the amount of time and effort I spend, go and brush your teeth. You need to go and brush your teeth. Okay, doing it for 20 seconds isn't isn't good enough. You need to go back. <laughs> you need to do it again. I watched a, a fantastic video the other week um, and it was a guy basically saying, look, your nose is right above your mouth, but if you don't brush your teeth for three days, everyone else in the room is going to know. But you won't know because you won't be able to smell it, even though your nose is right above your mouth. And I think that that idea of, of dental hygiene and mental hygiene, if I could be encouraging my kids on a regular basis to, to check in with their emotions, how are you doing at the moment? Because it, it feels like you're struggling. Do you need some time? Do you need to just sit? Do you need to verbalize or process? How, how do I do that? with my kids and do we do it with our kids so there's two questions there for my audience uh which is how often do you have to tell your kids to go and brush their teeth but also how often do you encourage your kids just to process the emotional context of their day um to help them process it and help you understand it as well sorry jeff that's kind of a side 
question going on there. Yeah, it's fine. No problem. So, okay. So what we've talked about. But you know what, Mac? Go I, on, hang on. I mean, I would, while we're engaging a bit with the audience, I'd love to just uh, respond to Melissa, who talks about, you know, kind of saying, well, it's not just about training. We've got to shift the culture of an organization. Absolutely. 100%. But do you know what it takes to shift culture? Training is a critical component of shifting culture. You know, I often believe the only way you can shift culture, because culture is an output. Culture is a consequence of the way in which we do things around here, what we say, how we behave. That is the culture. And the culture is the way in which we shift cultures in organizations is one, I think we've got to have the, the right leadership behaviors. Behaviors and leaders have got a role model and they've got to behave in a certain way. But that's not good enough. We've also got to attend to the processes, the procedures, the policies in the organization because they are as powerful in driving culture. A policy is as powerful in driving culture as a leadership behavior. I'll give you an example. You want to create a no smoking culture in a business, all right? Yes, you can get leaders who role model no smoking. But if there is a policy which allows people to smoke in the building, they'll still smoke. If you put a policy in place that says no smoking, then nobody smokes. And you begin to create that no smoking culture because you had the policy and you had the leadership behavior. And so I think it's a combination of all of these things. And for me, that's why I want to see health as a, a, street, a strategic priority. Because when it becomes a strategic priority, it gets the financial and it gets the human resource to execute that priority and shift the culture of the organization through training, through addressing policies, procedures, processes. Why don't we have development conversations with people about their health as part of their growth and their development in a company? Why do we wait for somebody to fall over before we have a conversation about them, about their health? I'm I'm so with you on this. Ah, <laughs> uh, for me, it, it it still comes back to how I mean, because what you're talking about is you're talking about the the culture of the organisations, and I, I I like that. But there's something also about the culture of a comp- of a country, and in the context of of this current COVID situation, and like you say, kind of the the the, the policy from the top that is saying in our tier one, tier two session at the moment, is basically kind of saying, look, this is what you need to do as a people of your country. Is there scope? Is there ever scope? If we can do it in a company, can we do it in a country? Can a country actually begin to see mental health as one of its top priorities? Because the other day, um, Rishi put a £500 million boost into the mental health of the country and everything inside of me wants to wants to just jump up and down but also everything else inside of me is thinking is it enough you know because there's something about yes investment into it from a government level but also it comes down to it's got to be both ways hasn't it and how do we as a country begin to open up the conversation about mental health and begin to shift that culture within our country around the context of mental health? That's just a small question for you, Jeff. Um, so any thoughts? Uh, it's such a difficult, I, I mean, I don't know the answer to that question, but let me, if I were to say to you, I'm not sure that, I, I, 
you know what? I mean, you know, you know my story, um, Peter, and how I've been advocating and campaigning for years around mental health. But I must say, over the last, and you talking about 2021, and we should go to 2021 as to what I'd love to see in 2021. But over the last 18 months, I've begun to shift the narrative. Of course, mental health is critical, but I thought I think it's broader than just mental health. It's about our well-being. It's about our a more holistic approach to our health. Because, you know, my mental health is also maintained by going for a run, which is good for my physical health, but it's also good for my mental health, all right? And I don't think we can, we can, we can isolate these things and chop them up into little blocks. And so there are countries now out there, New Zealand, that has got a measure like GDP around the well-being of the population. Dubai is doing the same sort of thing. They've actually just appointed a minister of well-being and happiness in Dubai. Now, at the end of the day, countries are made up of individuals and people. And it's on all of us. It's on all of us to learn how to, if you want to deal with the stigma piece around mental health, it's upon all of us to become more educated, to become more curious to all have these conversations about mental health. You know, I often say, people say to me, so what, what can we do to break the stigma of mental health in our organization? And I say, yes, you know, there are all sorts of things you can do at an organizational level. But you know what? There are three things you as an individual could just go and do. The first thing you could go and do is reflect on your relationship to mental ill health. What is that relationship? Get everybody in the whole country to reflect on their relationship. Is it about intolerance or is it about that relationship is a is a relationship of compassion and for all of those intolerant people out there i say to them just go and be curious go and listen to a mentality meets session with peter larkin just go and be curious and get to understand and learn about this stuff because the more you're curious the more you learn and understand the more empathetic you might become you might not become compassionate but you might become empathetic the second thing every single one of us can do, Peter, is just have these conversations like we're having this afternoon. Because the more we have these conversations, anything becomes possible. So Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, one day started a conversation about putting a man on the moon and bringing him back safely. He started one conversation. Guess what? It happened. And you know what the third thing we can all do? When we feel brave enough, when we feel... At safe enough, when we feel coached enough, when we feel supported enough, we can all tell our stories. Because guess what? We've all got a story. And the more we can tell our stories, the more we normalize this. So I, at a, comp at a country level, Peter, if we could encourage everyone in, in, throughout, throughout countries to just reflect on their relationship, have these conversations, and share some stories, I think we slowly, slowly begin to address stigma. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, Jeff, thank you. I don't know about anyone else in the audience, but just your, your passion and your, your views on things have just been so inspiring, you know, so thank you. There is really only one thought to wrap up today's session. If you've not received any training on mental health, why not? 
If you're looking for a base training for you or your company, can I encourage you to visit mentality.work. So next week, I'm going to be talking with Sam Griffiths. Now, he's the business health coach, soon to be author and an advocate for keeping you healthy and in business. Now, we're going to be talking about the importance of physical health during a season where it might seem a little less exciting to get out and exercise. So may I encourage you to leave us a review on the podcast as it really helps us to get the word out. And thanks again for listening to Mentality Meets, conversations that explore mental health stories and strategies to help leaders like you change the culture of mental health in your workplace.